A confident Chicago Bears team marched into Lambeau Field week 18, ready to become the Lions, and instead they got sent home with a 9-17 loss. Obviously, it's the game that if you're listening to this podcast, chances are it wasn't what you wanted. But there are silver linings, even if one of the silver linings might be that there's no silver lining for George McCaskey to find in a game that went sideways from Jump Street. Nick and I will take you through everybody who played well, everybody who played poorly, and we'll tease a little bit of off-season content as we talk through a complicated game on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears-obsessed podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, Editor-in-Chief of DeBear's blog, alongside my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys. And in case you're listening and you want more podcast content, Nick and I have been in the green room for an hour and 15 minutes on live stream. So you can go find a long conversation over on my YouTube channel, Robert Schmitz, which will be linked in DeBear's blog. But she show Pete's, Nick, what a game. And the worst part is it's a game that simultaneously I can say, who saw that coming? And also answer the question, maybe everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, honestly, you could look at that game and say, did the Chicago Bears varsity or JV play that game? And if you Oof. answer JV, I wouldn't disagree with you. Because then- when, when you look at it, Robert, like here, I'll, I'll throw out some quick stats for you. And again, this is where the ugly comes into it. Total yards for Green Bay, 432. Rough. Which I, I can't remember the last time. I'll have to look it up as, as you're going to chat at some point here and look up when the last time that happened was. Chicago had 192. They averaged 9.3 yards per pass. We averaged 5.6, five sacks to one sack. We know that one in the red zone. Chicago went 0 for 2. Green Bay scored three out of the four times they were there. The other one, I think, was the uh, incompletion and then the half ran out. They were 7 of 10 on third down. Chicago was 3 for 11. And and Chicago averaged three yards for every run. Three yards. And that that run defense wasn't good. Khalil Herbert, 12 carries, 28 yards. Brutal. I mean, just brutal. I was expecting you to have more stats, to be honest with you. And the worst part to me, Nick, about this game, the salt in the wound, is that Joe Barry, the, the defensive coordinator for Green Bay, who just got lit up by Bryce Young, Like, the guy that Ben Solak is making fun of because Bryce Young trots out against Todd Bowles and goes Nilo in Week 18. Like, he puts up 30 on Joe Barry. The Bears start hot. Justin Fields firing fastballs into zone coverage, taking what's in front of you, putting strikes down the field. Yeah, we take a couple sacks, but they're going to happen, especially when we run one of those, like, I don't know what they would call it, so I'm going to call it like a QB power twist where, like, you take the snap, you fake like you're going to offer it to Khalil Herbert, and then you spin around and you run the other direction. I I like the idea. (laughs) They've tried it before. It's it's 135-pound Trent Taylor versus Rashawn Gary is not a good idea. No, it's not. And so we take an L there. Luke Getzey's going, God, why did I think that would work? I'm sure every play caller has been there, right? But what is it? Cairo Santos kisses a field goal off the post, redeems the doink. It was a loud doink for the ball to go in afterwards. Yesterday was the anniversary, right? (laughs) It was. (laughs) That's what you call it, anniversary. The worst part, Nick, is that the Bears were doing an okay job of protecting 
Yes, Bears fan, you heard me right. They were doing an okay job of protecting against four. It was not easy because Green Bay's got a stacked out defensive line and they decided to show it today. And the Bears were starting Joe Feeney at center. But then Green Bay decided, well, why would we not just throw five at them? And the Bears never found an answer for the entire rest of the game. They got offense occasionally in big chunks, in spurts, but in terms of exactly what Green Bay was able to do, which was manufacture first downs and series and say, okay, it's third and five, we have a play call for this. Okay, it's third and two, we have a play call for this. Okay, it's this, we have a play call for this. Like, instead, the Bears seemed as if they were searching for answers and never found them by the end of the game. And I don't know, I kind of want to start there, Nick, because... I was incredibly disappointed from the entire offensive unit. And I want to tell you that like, there's somebody that I'm not disappointed in, but it's kind of everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, DJ Moore had some catches. Other Cole than Kmet that, yeah. caught a tough pass that then yep. he ate a big hit from Darnell Savage that wow. I thought had a chance to dislodge the ball. He hung on to it. Good well, job. 85. Well, well, let's say this. Okay. Old NFL Cole Komet would have been in the injury tent, not returned to the game. As well as a Green Bay Packer, Eddie Jackson or Brisker would have just erased in that. But that was a completion. That's the new NFL that we deal with. But you're right. The and again, Nate Davis not having a good year. We know this. No. And and again, went down with a foot injury and had to have a replacement in there. But that's why you have Cody White here right now, even though he's not good. But you can't have the Packers. And again, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith were really the issue. Those are the two best pass rushers that they have. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, whoever else that they have in the inside and blitzers. You made them look like they were all pros again, yes. just like week one. And that's the problem, Robert, is we have the, the Bears start off the, the, the first drive, the second yep. drive well. We had a, a field goal today. And then they can't adjust. It felt the same way from the first Green Bay game. Yes, everyone's going to have a little bit different game plan, but you're like, hey, well, we can't let that happen again. Right. But they like, did let it happen again. And as we know, one thing that Justin has an issue with, it's interior pressure right in his face. And he had it the whole game. And I mean, let's talk about some stat stuff, just a little bit at least, because Justin Fields ends with a going 11 for 16 with 148 yards. That's an average per attempt of hundred or of 9.3 yards. So obviously you could throw on this defense. Like when Justin Fields released the ball and a receiver caught it, frankly, just when he attempted to throw, like there were yards to be had out there. But I cannot stand getting out coached by Green Bay. And that's an easy word to say. But Nick, you and I are going to try to dig into this. And particularly when one of the worst defensive coordinators that Dan Canellis, uh, I, I think his name might be like Dane Canellis, uh, Dave Canellis in Tampa Bay, I'm dying out here, man. Like when, <laughs> when the offensive coordinator from Tampa Bay, Canellis, uh, hangs 34 on, um, or, or on Joe Barry and Luke Getze comes prepared. He did his homework. He obviously had a decent script, right? But the moment that script is out and they adjust once, like we're out of answers. That infuriates me. And like you said, Nick, I mean, if we are going to just touch on the quarterback position a little bit, it sucks when your offensive line isn't playing well. This isn't easy for anybody. It's a situation we've seen Joe Burrow deal with, and it's going to cut your offensive production pretty much in half. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's expecting a good game 
out of when your quarterback has to deal with all kinds mm-hmm. of constant pressure. Mm-hmm. But man, Nick, you know what stood out to me? Like, beside, we could get into time to throw stuff. We could get into long dropback stuff. But what, what stood out to me is that the Bears were not able in 17 weeks to develop a screen game, and they needed one. Like, as oh. soon as you start sending five rushers, screen them. Screen yep. them. Do, Green yep. Bay certainly did. And mm-hmm. the Bears couldn't do it. They seemed like they didn't even try. Maybe they banned the screens after the Minnesota game. And oh, no, no. Sudden, they, they, had the one, they had the one to Herbert, remember? And it went for negative yardage. It went for negative yardage, man. Oh, so, so, by the way, to answer, it's Dave, okay? Because I know he probably answers Dave Canellas. Finally okay? just bumbled see, my see, way into this that is, one. This is the getting out coach part, okay? Why can't you be like, hey, look at this. This works. Let's use it. Just like Joe Barry said, hey, look at what Minnesota does to the Chicago and just crushes their whole offense. So he sends some pressure and we have no answers. How do you not have answers for almost a whole season of throwing hot, of having adjustments, having answers? I mean, how many times did we move the pocket? Right. It, it was honestly that that game plan was pathetic. It started okay, but like every other game that went poorly for Chicago, the adjustment was, well, what if we pivoted to throwing deeper? What if we took huge play-action shots? And none of it, I know this is a word that gets thrown around a lot when you're talking about Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, Nick. None of it was sustainable. And I think that's what bums me out. You and I have talked about the way that defenses are shifting. They're shifting towards a lot more too high. You still see plenty of cover three, but a lot more too high. A lot more try to take big, big shots downfield out of the game. Make Mm -hmm. the quarterback check it down. Make the quarterbacks grind out yards. Make the run games grind out yards. That's what Green Bay does. It's it's what Green Bay does. How how many times did they they find a five-yard guy between the hash and the other hash right in that area? They probably hit about eight of those today. I mean, five yeah. yards to Bill Melton, five yards to Aaron Jones, little, five yards to a tight end. Little sits and ends, man. Like, it's it's NFL football. Sometimes it's boring, but that's NFL football, is understanding that well, you're going to make the defense cover all of their space. Because here's the thing, mm-hmm. Nick. A lot of people look at that, right? Everybody wants the deep ball. You look at a lot of people online. This is my biggest criticism. I cannot believe Ben Baldwin's about to take a stray shot. But like my biggest criticism of like Computer Cowboy on Twitter and a lot of the analytics guys that I think rule, right, is a lot of times they will focus on the highest EPA play, right? And that's where they will forget that in the world of football, if you can attack the hook curl area, you're going to force the linebacker to cheat that way. When you can run the ball well, you're going to force that linebacker to then take a step forward while he's cheating towards the hook curl. And then, would you believe it, Nick, your next play action fake pulls the linebackers all the way to the right side of the field. You catch the Bears in a split field cover three look with nobody in the middle of the field. And there's Jaden Reed off to the races for 60 yards down the field because you have been setting this play up for yep. three quarters so that mm-hmm. you could hit it to ice the game. It well, was they, honestly, they hit it, yeah. They hit dagger early and then they did that. And then they hit that one later. Like, like it built it that. Okay. A couple of things. One is, do you play pool like billiards? Yes. Pool? Not well, but I do it, play pool. <laughs> it's about angles. Yes. Right? It's about angles and learning and spacing because you can't just hit it and not care where your cue ball goes. You have to spin and do all kind of stuff. Football is about spacing mm-hmm. and angles. That's what it is, y'all. And 
answering your question as a coordinator people and I, I talked to my offense about this like what you need to do first down your only goal on first down is to get a minimum of four yards if you get four great and then second down is to get half of the yardage that you need let's say it's three yards then it's third and three then it's manageable you can do whatever you want say you get nothing on first down you get half the yardage, it's third and five, it's manageable. That's how you want to go down the field. The 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 Madden running out the quarterback doing whatever and throwing deep. Like I remember playing Madden again. This is maybe before you watched football, Robert. <laughs> I I played Madden 04 a lot, y'all. 03 and 04. That was like Michael Vick cover was 04. Okay. And everyone just picked Vick and just ran around and threw bombs to Brian Finneran. <laughs> okay, there's, there's, a, there's a few of you that are like, oh, my gosh, I remember all this. Right. That's people picking Lamar these days. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. you play yeah. quarterback and, 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 exclusively with right trigger held down. Like That's not realistic at all. Yeah, to show you how unrealistic it was, Robert, all I did playing them is I played with uh, the Saints. That's when they had Aaron Brooks, Michael Vick's cousin, by the way. And I put Michael Lewis. They had a little return as fast that was just as fast as Vick as the linebacker. And I just mirrored him. And they were so mad. Mirroring with the kick return. It's not realistic. Okay, That's not football. Five yards, three yards, three yards, first down. Eight yards, run one yard, run one yard, first down. Like, that's how it works. It's not always going to be the bomb, but you're talking about with the spacing and messing with looking this way to move the linebacker so you can hit the guy behind him. That's what it is. But the Bears don't have the layers at all. Matt no. LaFleur is three steps ahead of anywhere Chicago is the bears called a slant on third and seven. And it felt like an in the bag play call for this bears offense. And I was like, that's supposed to be easy. Like the, even the, there's not a quick game thing. There's not a screen thing. There was nothing. I think by the end of the season, Nick, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I think I mean it that there was no sustainable part of the offense that I pointed to. And I said, yeah, that's definitely going to work. When the run game started working against Arizona, I was like, we're going to roll these guys because we yep. actually have something that isn't just chunk plays. That's going to get us into the end zone. Mm -hmm. And against green Bay today, it very quickly became clear. I guess by very quickly, I mean, after the first quarter that the bears normally hot start had resulted in six points. And as soon as green Bay scored to make it six to seven, I was like, Oh boy, the Bears are in really new territory here because normally mm -hmm. this is when they switch to a conservative run-focused approach to try to close the game out. Instead, they switch to a conservative run-focused approach to try to get back into the game. And I think, did I see Fields didn't throw a pass in the third quarter? Yeah, well, he also, I mean, he, he ran on some of those or got sacked on some of those. But like, to, what, what bugs me is like, if you're going to do that, Robert, Lean, lean into it okay oh, then no. then then nick. then like then like zone read it you know what i mean nick nick and then i saw i saw it i saw it. but give me a second like then just run all the time who cares you know what i mean now listen do you, do you want me to go into this i do because it's been the death knell when a packers defender says it it's Wait, like they're talking crap <sighs> read the okay quote. so so, so <laughs> i will hear i already have my answer i know season. okay so Quay Walker on Justin Fields, uh, th thank you, uh, person who added this in our chat here. Um, Quay Walker on Justin Fields, whenever we can keep him in the pocket and allow him to just play quarterback and not allow him to run, we got a real, real good chance of winning the game. Well, that's obvious the case when 
Chicago has one receiver. What, I mean, you only have one person to worry about. And I, when you keep him, and when you keep him in the pocket, and there's not time to throw, of course you're going to win. That's what, like, you, you, I could say the same thing with Lamar. I could say the same thing with whomever. Yes. Let's just keep them in there and let's have their interior O-line play like crap. We got a good chance to win. Duh. You're totally right about the line part. That part, absolutely. But man, Nick. So like me personally, me personally, right? Like I have gotten really tired. I watch, we obviously watch a lot of Green Bay Packer football, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as I hate saying it, Right, you know, you know that concept of Stockholm syndrome, right? You're somebody's a prisoner somewhere long enough that they turn to turn around and love their scenario. Man, I took a hard look in the mirror like last week, Nick, and I was like, why, why am I so friendly with West Coast football? Like, why does West Coast spread offense football speak so much to me? And I saw twelve staring back at me, like both TV and AR twelve, like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and I was like, oh. That makes a lot of sense. And so watching the Packers do something that I end up feeling uh, or that I end up loving is something that's common. And here the Bears took Bo Melton. They took Don Tavion Wicks. They took Jaden Reed, all players I really like, but all players with less than two years experience in the league and many of them rookies. And man, they threw for 400 or they, they threw and ran for 432 yards on us. I feel like this is something that, look, I'm not trying to do the whole, like, oh, quarterbacks, elevate the roster thing and, like, turn everything into, if you don't have a good quarterback, then your team sucks. It's never that simple. You know that, Nick, right? Mm -hmm. But also, it does feel like sometimes we talk about the Bears. Let's take it off of a Fields thing. We did the same thing with Trubisky, right? Sometimes we talk about the Bears. Like, if you don't have any, or if you don't have three legit weapons, you must not be able to move the ball. And I, this exact kind of game always just makes me go, ah, football has to be easier than this, right? Well, I mean, the, the other part of it is like, okay, you want to keep him in the pocket, but then you, then you run the ball for, uh, and I can't remember if I read this uh, before we aired or not, but we averaged three yards per carry. And that's not like, not just like Justin running. I mean, Herbert averaged, we had 12 for 28 and Roshan was five for 20. So like, when you can't run the ball and you're no. negative, you know, like I mean, again, so like ahead of the chains would be the the defense has the threat of a run game, you know, like oh they could run it, so we can't just drop back or disguise or whatever. When, right. when you have that as well, like that that really makes it just advantageous for the defense. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I mean, I think an underspoken about story on this Bears team has been the fact that the Bears offensive line has not run blocked particularly well this year it's weird because the last year they were really good run blocking i mean i guess it comes and goes right like (laughs) the the bears for instance have had real trouble moving to their left uh but well actually it's been both sides to be honest maybe it's honestly just a center problem but they seemed like they got around it last year there's some of this where i guess we throw our hands up in the air man and we go i don't know (laughs) like i'd have to look harder yeah like 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 tevin jenkins had a really really bad game today bad game today It, it was it was so bad to the point i'm like do we want to extend this guy? And like, I don't, I don't want to, again, I don't, to yes. be fair to him, I don't want to say, I don't want to say one game. I don't want to say, you know, like is everything. Cause every player has a bad game or a bad play or whatever. So like we need more time, but man, that was really bad. Like you got oh, exposed. Man. I would definitely approach Tevin Jenkins about an extension. And at the end of the conversation, I would say now, you know, we did get whooped against green Bay. So we did have to take a little off the number, but here's what we're thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, and, and you got to stay healthy. 
man. Like, uh, like, yeah, we need you to play, man. I, like, but there are some of these linemen, especially these 300 pound athletes, right? Like Teron Armistead comes to mind, plus plenty of others across the league where you are hoping to get 12 games from them. You are giving them a number where you say, we are paying you for the 12 games you're going to play. And in Teron's case, the problem is they paid him for 17 and he plays what nine on average, like year over year. It's not great. Right. But I can't help but look at Tevin Jenkins and still see a guy that is a very good guard. He just went up today against a hand fighter and guys like Carl Brooks are going to eat him alive. You you get better play. No, no. Rob, it's Carl Brooks. I know. But it's Carl Brooks, we watch you. You, you, you watch this tape at Bowling Green, extent. right? You watch this tape. I know, Green. I know him, but like you can't. It, did he go round one, round two, round three? Oh, not at all. Like Tevin shouldn't. Okay, let me let me try to split the middle here so that I can get to my point. Like Tevin is a more talented player. I would expect Tevin to win the matchups, but in the world of like rock paper scissors, like technical hand fighter versus athlete mauler the technical hand fighter is the guy you're expecting to win. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you have to know that. You have to know what people, well, you're, I'm lining up against this guy. This is what he likes to do. Like, you can't be a top 10 guard and lose to a guy that got picked on day three, like, badly. Like, within, like, a second and a half and ruin a play. You can be a pretty good guard, though, in my opinion, <laughs> and, and get smoked a couple times in a game. It's a bad game. Like it happens to me. It's not an extension killer. I, I think that's a little, I'm not saying it's an extension killer, but like it made me feel that way today. I was like, is he that. really not going to be the answer for 25, 26, 27, 28. To me, the biggest problem that you had with, with the bears offensive line this season, because we can kind of turn this into a little bit of a postmortem, right? We'll do a bigger per- postmortem for our Thursday episode. We'll have to, because we're going to have to figure out what happens to the main oh. players within the bears organization. Well, no more information, maybe coaching wise. Sure, too. hope so. We're gonna get a what is it? A Kevin Warren presser either Wednesday or I, Tuesday, something like so that. You, like I know, like you know, we we got our chat going, and and y'all, like we're doing the podcast right now. But if you want to get involved in the chat and interact with us more, hop on, hop on Robert's YouTube. You know, probably what thirty minutes after the game, and we'll have a way more interactions. Okay, so that that's the that's the thing for for next year. That's okay? for next year. Make sure you guys do that, but. That's one thing that excites me. Like, cause right now it's like so much doom and gloom and you know, I, you know, we can talk quarterbacks, what you want to do, you know, and I have, I have my thoughts on if we're going to do that now or we're going to wait till Thursday. But the one thing that excites me is this, Robert, I, and again, this is, this is feelings. I feel content and optimistic with Ryan Pulse. This guy has yes. a direction. I believe in him. Yes, he's not perfect. There's a Trace Claypool move. There's the Larry Ogunjobi move. There's the there's a few moves that like haven't gone well. And maybe Tremaine Edmonds was an overpay. I mean, we could talk about that too. But like, there's other moves that were awesome. And I have faith in him. The other one that I'm excited about, Robert, is what you just said. I just... I'm excited about what Kevin Warren could bring to Chicago. It, it's different than what we've had in the past. You know, the McCaskies and there's all that stuff going on. But, like, this guy had a great stadium with Minnesota. He ha- he overcame some really big things in the Big Ten as the commissioners and did well and handled COVID and all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm excited about what he could do. And if he's going to hold people accountable, that could be jobs, that could be quarterback changes, that could be whatever. But that just has me, that has me excited. I don't know about you. I, I'm really excited 
I mean, if anything, so look, all right, F Bears fans, strap in. I'm about to say something really ridiculous, and I've said a couple ridiculous things since we started this, Nick, but I did not want to leave this season. I did not want to leave this game short of answers. I wanted to know something, right? I wanted to leave the 2023 season feeling very confident about at least a couple things on the roster. And like you're saying, I feel very confident about Ryan Poles. Another thing, if you're going to tell me Matt Eberflus is the guy going forward and that his defensive scheme is awesome and that he is the leader we need and that the progress that this roster has made is real, tangible, and should continue into 2024, I expected better than this. And I expected much better than this. Like, Mm -hmm. I would tell you that you mentioned the JV squad thing. That's the Mm -hmm. only thing that couldn't happen. Bears lose a competitive game where they get some breaks against them. Like, ah, shucks, happens. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. all you had to do was look better than you did in week one. And I didn't think they did. I mean, there were a bunch of really frustrating moments from Matt Eberflus in this game. You asked if we want to talk about quarterback in the future. We can't do that this early in the podcast. We haven't talked about the defense yet. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and we have to, because I know we talked about this on the preview pod, that to me, this was Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, and the rest of this Bears organization's final exam. And they failed it. Like, I can't give them a D plus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I can't help but look mm-hmm. at this team and see a defensive coordinator that had a bunch of success running man coverage and pressure looks that turned into these like Zimmer Zimmer coverage zones or they could flex into man and then we ate one loss against the Browns got scared and stopped doing them because the media was mean to us we went back to what we knew which was running a bunch of cover two and cover three what happened well it beat Taylor Heineke congratulations despite leaving a bunch of seams open throughout the entire game Everything the defense had done deteriorated over the last two weeks. And suddenly you had Atlanta breaking open massive chunk plays. They scored more against us than they did against uh, the Saints, I think. I actually may need to fact check that, but the Saints blew them out at the end. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that was... Oh, did you see the last play? It was was so bad. Uh, (laughs) But anyways, staying on my roll, right? Like, then you play the Packers. You play against a team that I think you and I would both agree is a requisite NFL playoff team. You want to know what the crazy part is, Nick? There are scarier teams than the Packers in the playoffs. There are much scarier teams that you'll oh, that you'll see yeah. than the Packers in the playoffs. And we got smoked by them, right? All Ooh. that talk about, you know, Chicago's the team that nobody wants to play. Like, ooh, that felt not true today. <laughs> no, so like, like, like basic premise of defense, okay? Stop opponent from scoring stop big plays and limit whatever plays to the shortest game possible they had they allowed big plays i think a lot of it's because they didn't generate pressure and that's again shame on you for either disguising there on the one touchdown uh you didn't have walker or sweat in the game that was awesome but the other one that bugs me robert is we have a group of defenders that aren't limiting gains. I mean, it is all season. I have mentioned this with Tremaine Edmonds. He's there. He's big. He's athletic. Mm -hmm. A guy catches the ball or runs right in front of him. He stops. He waits. 
and then he'll he'll catch them when they come to him, or he'll go one yard in front of him instead of just like Jack Sanborn going all out right at him, and then coming under control and doing. Look, you can limit one yard, you can limit two yards less. Eddie Jackson doesn't want to be involved in that. Looked like today too. Yeah, like there's multiple Bears where they were they're not doing that, and that adds up over the game. That adds instead of we talked about this being ahead of the chains on offense, mm-hmm. defense too. That might make it a third and eight instead of a third and six, which changes things. Changes everything, and it's so funny because for some reason there was one. There always there's always one. Normally it used to be David Montgomery, right? But there was one bear. There was one bear that decided he was going to put the defense on his back. And I mean, Nick, I'm blown away at what Tyreek Stevenson was able to accomplish. I'm, I wish I was overselling it, but it felt as if, did you feel this way? Like the Packers would roll, they would be on schedule. And suddenly, 29 would make a play and derail a drive, right? Especially that first one. That could have sent such a horrible message to Chicago. But instead, Romeo Dobbs makes a gorgeous snow cone catch on a gorgeous throw, and Tyreek Stevenson won't let him keep it. Sets up Demarcus Walker, picking up a coverage sack, which sets up a shank field goal inside your own house. Their kicker has not been great. What's his name? Carlson? Is it Anders Carlson? Yeah. Not not good. You you have to know this. So I'm watching the game, you know, from my home Mm -hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And this thought came over me, and this was probably in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, a long time ago, the Deion Sanders, right? Probably the best cover guy ever. Maybe Revis is up there, whoever you want to talk about. But what they would do is they would put them on the worst receiver. Most, most of the time back then, it was like one receiver or one right. receiver, then the tight end and you know the other receiver. They put them on the single receiver side, the bad tight end or the bad receiver. And then they would shift the safety coverage opposite so that way you have like three guys guarding the other two mm-hmm. or four and then you're like oh dion has got that guy in the second quarter literally i was like bro just put tyreek stevenson on an island with the receiver man coverage i'll live with that shift the coverage to terrell smith because he's getting smoked right now yeah so, and, and when i thought that i was like robert's gonna be so happy that i even had that thought today. i mean that's the thing though nick I, this is okay so i hate sometimes the role that trying to be like one of the film person people on in the bears world can put me in because around the washington game i remember a lot of people were like terrell smith man terrell smith's great rationale for why jalen johnson doesn't need to get paid and i was like hold up guys like he put tape out that is gonna get him exposed if he's not careful and it helps that washington just thought why wouldn't we attack number 29 like everybody's attacking number 29, we should throw at him. But mm-hmm. a lot of these routes that you could see from 32 were not getting covered super well, right? And today, I mean, to me at least, Nick, I saw Terrell Smith play fine in the wide world of backup DB, right? But Matt LaFleur targeted him relentlessly. How, how, like, okay, you saw that, there was that 19 yard deep, like, sail out to Wicks hat on him. Mm-hmm. When he had when he had bracket help on the inside with his safety, yes, he did. why are you doing a three sixty? How do you get that turned around? You only have to worry about outbreaking routes. Well, like to me, like it just make it make sense to me, Robert. That one I watched, I was like, that's just terrible. Like I knowing what the coverage is, he was scared. I mean, Terrell Smith. Look, this is this comes from, I guess, my own background, but like obviously, I like athlete guys. 
Like when it comes to, you'll see this when we get into draft stuff, Nick. But if they, I am also a Raz feed. <laughs> I did the oh, same you're thing. You're not gonna like Leilatu, are you? What? Is, like is he Leilatu. not athletic? Oh man. So he he might he might not be the the freak that Dallas Turner might be. I mean, we'll get into that. Well, but no, like, it's that's what... it's not like that. It's honestly, I more have bars to pass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. with both Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith, we saw that they weren't the world's best athlete when it came to changing direction. To me, I saw Terrell Smith basically freak himself out a, a lot of times throughout this game. He's been breaking on out routes, like anything that's a 90 degree break. He's had a lot of trouble keeping up with. I mean, he's a rookie. This happens. This is not mm-hmm. weird. I am not dunking on Terrell Smith. It's more like drawing a distinction between Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith. Stevenson yeah. has had enough reps to the point where now he's a lot more comfortable. You can see it. Can't yeah. you yeah. like he's competitive. He's in guys hips. It's awesome. Smith seemed like you talked about that spinny one. Like he oh my gosh. he broke as if the out route was coming. Then he got scared it wasn't coming and spun back the other way, thinking that actually this might just be a seam. But it was an outbreaker the whole time and then just got caught giving up, what, five yards of separation? It was bad. I mean, you, you know you know memes and, and videos and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. When, when I think of Tyreek Stevenson, I think of that one guy. He's like, dog. You know, yeah. like he goes through dog. dog. This guy, dog. That guy, Jaquan Brisker, dog. dog. Like those two. The, well, they're both tough guys that you know you're not going to push around. Now again, I think Brisker has some work to do with coverage wise, but Stevenson. And we've talked about this when you th- start thinking of like mock drafts and like, mm-hmm. okay, if you move down and you get a second, or if you move Justin, you get a second, like what, or or your second first round pick or whatever you want to do. To me, corner. Y- y- you, we should bring Jalen Johnson back, you know, but if you got JJ and you got Stevenson, I, you're not touching corner till day three. What's the best way to help a quarterback out? Pass Just rush. a quick fire answer. I said a quarterback. No. Oh, quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a pass rush. <laughs> no, not a pass rusher. <laughs> Locking. <laughs> it, so there's no pass rush. Do you, do you, offensive line. Right. In my opinion, yes, you do need receivers, obviously, but offensive line. What's the best way to help a quarterback or a corner back out? Go sign yourself a sick defensive lineman, and you're going to have opportunities in this next draft. Like, in a world where the Bears are sticking with fields, maybe you draft like a Johnny Newton. That could be awfully fun. He's got some sweet tape, but obviously anybody under 300 pounds trying to play defensive tackle better be Aaron Donald because if you're not Aaron Donald, there's not that many defensive tackles at that size that really win all that often. And you've got mm-hmm. Gervon Dexter coming up, blah, 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 blah. I can't help but get Chris Jones out of my mind. The point being, Nick, that... I look at a lot of these Chicago DBs and I see guys that if you can get some pass rush, they're going to play some ball for you. The problem is they did not get much pass rush today. Did they like, yeah, well, yeah. Like the, the way I think about it is, is people talked about getting Montez sweat. It's a multiplier. That's what getting guys opposite sweat, getting a guy in the interior. Like a lot of the times I mock like, okay, we're going to get Dallas Turner and then we're going to sign Daniel Hunter. People are like, you don't need two DNs. I'm like, uh, yeah, you do. You rotate so much of that. And are you going to say you don't want more pass rush? You don't want more pressure? Like, I want as much as possible because that's going to multiply to be make Brisker, Stevenson, Johnson, everyone else more confident. Gordon, jump more routes, more turnovers, all that kind of stuff. Like, to me, it, it, that's that's huge right now with this defense. Oh, yeah. And the other part that does not help anything is that this defense clearly feeds off of each other, right? Like, they were balling 
all the way through. Gosh, I do. I can't help feeling like they peaked a little against the Browns and against Arizona when we look back. And you could almost say like they go the way Montez Sweat goes, right? Mm-hmm. Montez Sweat finished the last three games of the season without a sack. That is not weird. I am not upset about this. Yeah. I, I, I got something for him, though. Uh, I am ready for it. You want to go now? Montez Sweat, Robert, set an NFL record. Do you know that? Uh, was he the only guy to lead sacks on two teams? Only guy to, yeah, to lead Washington Montez. with sacks. Congratulations. Same year. Yeah, NFL record. There you go. Bears breaking records. Amazing. Amazing, right? Um, but so ba- ba- Bad trade, though, Michael Lombardi. I can't help but think. But before we just, you know, waltz all the way back into that, the other thing that's worth mentioning here, Nick, is that we played a lot of offenses with offensive line, like major issues. I think Cleveland is the perfect example where there are a lot of people that are going to look back and be like, how did the Bears defense do this to Cleveland? Well, Cleveland's tackles were in awful shape. And that was their first week where they were trying to figure things out of what were they going to do with the scrap heap that they had in place. And since then, they've had a little more time to work out strategies, right? It's kind of like how the Bears caught the uh, the, the Bears caught the Vikings with Kirk Cousins throwing to not Justin Jefferson for the first week. And that stuff matters. Like when Mm -hmm. you catch a team makes a big difference. The Bears still need defensive line help. I think that that showed itself in this game in particular, because Jordan Love looks completely unbothered. I think somebody said that he was pressured on 12% of his passing plays. Now, I do want to point out that pressure is funny, right? Are you a Saks or a QB stat guy? No, no, no. I didn't think you were, right? <laughs> well, because because I think that there's so much that goes into that. I mean, your receivers cannot be open. Like, I, it's, it's always a combination of things. Always. There's tons of context to it. Jordan Love also threw the ball quickly throughout the entire game. I'm not surprised he didn't get pressured because he just launched the ball. Like mm-hmm. sometimes the guy was wide open. Sometimes the guy was barely open. Who was it? Uh, was it Melton who made a sweet catch over the middle where Jordan Love fired it like behind him and high where he had to track the ball and pull it down, especially early, man. Like I know there are going to be a lot of Bears fans that are going to potentially hear this as sour grapes. Jordan Love looked nervous af early in this game. Like, he was not calm. Ball placement was all over the place. And I thought his feet were jumpy in the pocket. But the Packers offense did a good enough job of creating success. Aaron Jones is unbelievable. That guy is all constantly underrated in NFL circles, I think. Yes. And they calmed him down. And by the end of the game, Jordan started chucking darts. I know you didn't like it, or you didn't think it was anything. But I thought Jordan's first touchdown pass was really, really sweet threading it between I, I i didn't because it it was the guy was open when he threw it off his and he didn't need to be on his back foot but but when he did it that made it more difficult but yeah i mean two guys close in because he lofts it right but it was a touchdown pass <laughs> on yeah, what was i it mean like? it's a touchdown but I, I don't think it was like a difficult touchdown pass i thought it was a, i mean the, the the one that i mean could have been a touchdown in the was it Melton at the back of the end zone? Where the one that Melton bobbled. That was way more impressive because that one he fit in after his like third read. That one was sweet too. Like it it sucks because at least when I'm watching him, because I remember I did this whole thing on Jordan Love, uh, basically saying like, he's a good player. He's got flaws. And I worry that the Packers young skill core is going to basically be too much for him to handle. Uh, Matt LaFleur has done a killer job in Green Bay. And I'm, I'm now too deep talking about Packers positives. I'm not trying to depress Bears fans. I'm really more trying to draw a distinction between what we've seen in Chicago and what we've seen in 
Green Bay. And I can't help but feel like, Nick, when you put the pieces together, I don't like the results that the Bears had in their final exam. And given the whispers of Jim Harbaugh, which I would imply means that the Bears might be open to a coaching change, am I overreacting to want one? I So for me, I don't have confidence in the offensive coordinator at all. No, we don't even have a defensive coordinator, but uh, no, I th- I think that it's, I think it's time. I think that when you can't even make it a game, this wasn't a game, even though it was eight points, this wasn't a game against your biggest rival. When things went your way as much as they could today, that's bad. Cause, cause we talked about this in the preview pod, like this, this was going to let us know that we're the last seven weeks. We're actually a legit team or kind of we're a pretender. And it, it just revealed that I don't think that we are. And when you have that on top of how the season started, on top of last season, on top of, you know, we talked about the development of the offensive guys, right? I think the defensive guys have had some development, but also, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, you signed him for a lot of money. He was PFF's like sixth best linebacker last year. He was not that this year. You look at Eddie Jackson, looked bad. This year, y'all, like I, I, you love Eddie. I love Eddie. He looked bad. You look at defensive end decisions that you made, and we had no path. Th- did you see that one jet sweep where Dominique Robinson was still running inside, was completely lost out there? This is the last week of the year, and you're lost. Like to me, wow. like you had all that on top of there. It needs to be a, a fresh start. And I don't know if you're going to go here or not, but I will. The fresh start for me. It could be Harbaugh, could be Ben Johnson, could be. There's lots of people. I know people don't want to think it, but Mike McDonald, how well he's doing in Baltimore with that defense, amazing. I would, I wouldn't be opposed to. It. I know we want to have the offensive guy to line with the quarterback. Do that, and they can decide whatever they want at quarterback. Right now, where, where am I at with it? I would reset, and I would go with a rookie quarterback in trade fields. That's that's where I'm at because, to me, it's just like Eberflus. It's like yeah, there's some good moments. I don't know that it's ever been super fair for Justin. I don't know that this is super fair for Eberflus. Last year was a reset no. year, and you finally get this. But there, there's too much mud in the water to feel super confident with it. And to me, you have the opportunity with draft picks, with salary cap space, with people wanting to come here, that you should reset this whole thing. That's the trouble, right? Is We talked about this on the pre-show, but the Bears have consistently been a year late in rather than a year early with most decisions they make. Right. It's very rare that the Bears are the fashion forward avant garde uh, group that's going to try to do something really fresh and new. You could argue that Poles has done this a little bit. I think that Poles has worked the trade deadline really, really intriguingly. I mean, he's now twice added Claypool and then added Sweat. And say what you will about Sweat's performance in this game. Right. The turnaround that the Bears had on defense was about as fun to watch as a Bears fan as I think we've seen in. A couple of years, and I'm glad it happened. Not to mention, I'm glad he's on the team. That was the idea. Same idea behind the Claypool trade, but you could even argue Poles improved the process and said, okay, so maybe we don't deal for Chase Young. Like, maybe we don't take a flyer on the flyer guy, because if that combusts, we've committed to a lot. Maybe we up this a little bit and take Mm -hmm. a proven guy, which, hey, that's nice, but normally the Bears are loyal to a fault. And I'm with you. I think that Iberflu is getting fired two years into this whole 
era is too early for nearly any head coach. And I don't think he's been so categorically awful that you have to. And then right. Justin Fields, he's three years into his rookie deal. And that counts the fact that he had one year on a strapped Bears team that couldn't protect it all. A wide receiver one that didn't want to be there and a head coach that was a lame duck. Say what you will about Matt Nagy, but I mean, at least he was a quarterback's coach. So let's just stick it at the fact that you have a lame duck situation. You pass things off to a team that tears down around him. The only real shot he got was this year. And at that point, it sure feels as if there are a lot of scars in his game that are going to take time to iron out. Can Justin Fields get better? Yes. Will he get better fast enough to instantaneously produce drastically better results in year four? That's a gamble. And I can't right now say the Bears would be better to take that gamble than to gamble on one of these rookie quarterbacks. Like, before we get into the whole contract thing, right? I don't think you have to at this stage. But it is early on both. Like, I'm cheering for Justin Fields. Whatever happens next for him. Because he seems like a great guy. Franchise, like, he's a franchise billboard guy. He is a model leader. Yep. He The locker room loves him for a reason. And he works really hard. Uh, Matt Eberflus. I wish him the best. I think it's probably best he sticks in a defensive coordinator role. He did a good job there. There were a bunch of pieces to the way he handled the media, down to his coordinator hires that are big sus. Like, not to break out the Zoomer language too early, man, but if we're firing Luke Getze, there's sort of this moment you look and you go, huh, Matt, what are you going to do to get your DC and your uh, your OC right, you know, next time? <laughs> but... Yep. The circumstances just happen to sit where the Bears are such a desirable co like coaching opening that how do you not look at the opportunity to turn over quickly, right? Here's here's a question for you with the same topic. Mm -hmm. We had two, or Chicago had two coaches on staff to get fired during the year for we don't know everything. So insert PR or whatever it could be. But, and again, this, this, my, I'm curious what you think, but what I think is some of that's on Matt Eberflus. You hired those people. You know, those people, will people make mistakes? Yes, they will. When there's two of them in the same year, you're the head guy. That like, looks more on you. Yep. The, the buck has to stop somewhere. And yep. Matt Eberflus is the head coach. And so, the the defense did not look good early in the year. A lot of people looked back and said, well, that was Alan Williams. And it's like, well, Flus hired Alan Williams. He brought mm -hmm. him over from Indianapolis. Like, you end up in a tough scenario, right? You really do. Where I don't blame any Bears fan out there that wants to maintain a lot of the momentum that it felt like we had not, not even just a week ago. I mean, honestly, 12 hours ago, things probably felt better for the majority of people because the Packers – basically made the Bears look like they hadn't gotten any better from week one. And I mm -hmm. don't believe that. I think the Packers just, whether we like it or not, I think the Packers just got better along with us. Like, if you squared the Bears up against the Vikings, I think that the Bears easily eclipsed the Vikings. If you squared the Bears up against the Lions, I think the Bears beat them again. Honestly, I do, Nick. But the Packers, young as they were, just got a lot better this season. Mm -hmm. I don't well, like that. But, I mean, but also, let's, I mean, you're going to have good games. You're going to have bad games. Like, that goes both ways. Uh, you don't have Jalen Johnson. 
You don't have Darnell Mooney, and I know there's there. Everyone has injuries. Jalen in particular I, really hurts. But I, I think it's a different game if Jalen Johnson's playing. I also think if you have another weapon, it could be a different game for Fields too. Absolutely, and that's where I don't think it helps anything when it comes to moving on that the Bears don't just have number one. Right. Obviously, now this puts the Bears in position for number nine, whether whether they trade number one or number or whether they trade number one or number one. You get the you get the double meaning there. Like uh, I, I get it because Fields wears number one anyways. I, I, the, uh, right here in the video. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Whichever whichever trade you make, whichever trade you make, because Ryan Poles talked pregame about how, quote, I mean, they have an opportunity to add some draft capital End quote um, your people are going to end up like making the bears better. I almost lost my chain of thought, but then I caught it again. The other thing <laughs> is Nick that at number one, it's customary to want to draft a quarterback and then you have to just sit the round out, right? The moment that you give up on your current quarterback, now you have to replace the quarterback, but the feeling doesn't change. It doesn't feel like the team gets any better, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you still believe in the other quarterback, well, now you go from quarterback. I believe in to quarterback. I believe in, or maybe you don't buy in until you want to see anything. So now you go from quarterback. I don't believe in to quarterback. I don't believe in. And that the stats bear out is probably going to be best case scenario, as good as Justin Fields, right? At least in his rookie year. But with the Bears also now locked in at the number nine overall pick, God, what a perfect weapon like spot, right? Yep. You can get or, or edge Roma Dunze. Exactly. Like Romo Dunze will be there. Maybe Brock Bowers will be there. Maybe Malik neighbors being as receivers tend to get overprojected by the general public falls to number nine. All kinds of things are on the table. And I think that's a good thing for whichever direction the bears want to go. I do mm-hmm. think that if they draft Caleb Williams or Drake may, I know where I lean, but let's let Ryan Poles make the decision, right? right? That if you do add a weapon, this could become one of the best destinations for a rookie quarterback, uh, especially a rookie quarterback of that caliber in quite some time. Like this isn't pick number 32 with the Ravens. This isn't a team trading up from the twenties. This is a team that, Sure, they ended up with the number nine overall pick against a pretty easy schedule. I understand this. But you got DJ Moore in-house. You got two tackles. You got at least one guard we like and another that I sure hope will rebound and cap to spend on a swing guard, a center, and draft capital to find more receivers with. I feel good about the organization and what they can do going forward, but I don't want to pretend we aren't kind of attending a funeral by saying that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just thought of a, a crazy trade scenario I have to throw your way, but, but I, I agree with you that it, it is that way. That's what makes it feel. It, it feels bad. Like we, we set bad. out, we, we set out that we wanted to believe in Eberflus. We set out that we wanted to believe in the chase Claypool trade in, in Darnell Mooney building off of that 1000 yard season. He had his second year. Absolutely. I mean, Justin Fields with like all these things. And and with football, you're going to have things that hit and come to fruition and things that don't. But this regime, and, and I'll say just this coaching staff, they, they have had more misses than hits in terms of developing players, in terms of decisions to go for it, not go for it, kick field goals, not kick field goals, Denver game. You know, there's lots of things there. Or Even this or one. Get, Do you oh, think they got that yard? Like, I... Look, look the camera in the eyes. Do you think they got that? No. I did not no. think they got that yard. No, <laughs> like, no. So like to me, like, but all that in, 
I think they move on from Fields. I, I think that's that's the move that you do make. Now, another idea, because we think of like, we'll move Fields, we'll get, you know, a second, maybe another what? pick, whatever. I just have a crazy, a crazy scenario out here, okay? Yes. There's, I mean, Chicago goes quarterback, Washington's going quarterback. Right. That's one, two. Oh, right. the trade-up scenario? Yeah, you I have, have to be you. about to pitch me a trade up, right? Yeah, what do you think? I I don't see why not. Now, me personally, I think that okay, so I, I could do a whole no, can, can, can you hear it or no? You want to hear it or no? Uh, like can oh, what is it? Okay, you've got specifics. Go. Yeah, yeah. Here's my trade up scenario. New England is mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. They're gonna miss out on the two quarterbacks. Now, I, maybe they love Jaden Daniels. I don't know. We'll maybe see they do. how that works out. Maybe right? they maybe just feel like they have to. Right. But what if they trade three to Chicago for nine and Justin Fields? I mean, I would definitely think about that. I, I would want to, I'd be dying to know what Fields' market value is at that point. That's pretty heavy. Like, if memory serves, you may the, need more than that. The jump from nine to three is on the Jimmy Johnson chart, I think 600 points, which is a high second round pick. If that's the market value, uh, I'm definitely interested. I will tell you, Nick, that because the Bears aren't looking for a number one receiver, they're looking for a really, 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 really good number two receiver that, hey, if he displaces DJ Moore, oopsie, right? right then that's, that's yeah. to me, it's not that the standard gets lower. It's that you have this value opportunity, right? To where you could argue MHJ, Neighbors, and Adunze all kind of max it out. Right. So long as you can get open as the second banana consistently, which you would hope all three of those yep. would be able to do, you don't literally get the same player, but figuratively speaking, you get about the I, same amount. I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you, you mean. Yeah. But MHG sick. <laughs> like, if you got yeah. to add him, what am I going like, to do? Here, here, here's, here's my wish. Okay. And because we know Ryan Poles listens to our podcast and watches the stream. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, sorry about today. Even, even though he said he, he doesn't do his Twitter anymore, you know he's that's because he's that's because we're on YouTube. That's because we're yeah, on yeah. like yeah, every podcast it. site that's doable. You know, <laughs> Here, here's here's what I want. I'm and again, like my my Bears fandom stretches longer than yours, Robert. You know, because we talked about you yep. talked about the the double doink memory. You know, I, I just saw that the Keith trailer pick almost six. I remember watching that in my basement as a as a high schooler. So mm-hmm. um my wish is this. I I've seen one time and I could argue the 1994 season 95 season with Eric Kramer. One time that we have surrounded a quarterback with a ton of weapons and yes. supported them for them to succeed. I don't care if it's Justin, I don't care if it's Caleb, I don't care if it's May, Jane Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., whomever it is. Surround them with more weapons. You need it at least I would say at least two more receivers, one solid one, maybe of that, you know, increase the backup tight end stuff, protect more, give them a chance to thrive. I am begging you for that. I don't care what you decide. It better be supporting the quarterback with weapons and a better line. Oh, yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, it took us years to rally anything around Jay Cutler. I remember Jerry Angelo originally, if I'm if I'm remembering the situation correctly, Jerry Angelo all but literally said, that's it. That's it. I got the bear or like I got a quarterback. We don't need anything else. Good quarterbacks elevate the roster, baby. And then you had the Marts year and then you had to unwind all that stuff, right? Like 
it's it's funny because then obviously they were ultimately able to surround him with Martellus Bennett, Marsh or Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, and Matt Forte. And what do you know? They produced the third highest scoring offense in ball that year. So and and but also who else succeeded with that offense? Uh, oh, McCown. Josh McCown was balling. <laughs> like to me, like that. That's the thing is if you have those things in place and the offense, you know, you can structure it decently. Almost anyone can thrive. And like, how awesome would that be? You're like, oh, it would be awesome. Hey, then, and again, like, that's the whole thing is like, is it the system? Is it the quarterback? Is it the weapons? You know, like Tua, the weapons carry him. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care. I just want to win games. And And I think that that's the best way to do it. And to me, the biggest problem that everything has, at least in my opinion, is that we, we talked earlier about like, I'm moving on from Justin Fields. Let's not make it about Justin Fields. Let's just be realistic about what the coaching situation is. If you are moving on from Luke Getze, I would like to move on from, from Flues. I still can't be certain that's going to happen. Like he did win seven games, which is about what the moment they made the sweat trade, I would have loved to see an eighth win. Like, I know you can't retroactively change things, but the moment <laughs> that they traded for sweat is the moment that I would argue that they went from a seven win floor to bing, please let's win, win eight games, right? Well, well, but also, like, I know we had the expectations of what this season was going to look like before the year started, and we both picked over the seven and a half wins. We did. But after going 0-4, then finishing with seven wins, which is more than double what you had last year, that's still pretty awesome. Like, I, I'm not going to, like, say it's not. I know you beat up on some bad quarterbacks, and Bajent was in there for some, and even he got totally. some wins. But, like, but like man... It wasn't a bad year. It I, wasn't a great it, year. It wasn't it was not bad though. I have a hard time. Just this is at least how I hear that, Nick. Where it's like watching one of my college basketball teams, where I go. So for the first ten minutes, I know that we went with like two for fifteen, and we scored six points. But after that, the offense started clicking, and we only lost by eight. And I go, uh, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? The, the, the expectations were, wouldn't be there in I'm, the rebuild. You know I'm that. Totally with you. I okay. am totally with you in principle because winning all those games in a row is not easy. It's the NFL no. for crying out loud. But anyways, back to the Justin thing. To me, the harder part about Fields is that I like the coaches so little that we then have to be realistic about what we're looking at within the field scenario. Is Fields mm-hmm. going to learn a third offense, right? Is Fields going to get a third head coach with the prospect of the fact that a lot of Bears fans don't want to pick up his fifth-year option? Meaning that then you'd get one, you kind of get one year for him to prove something to you. Yeah. And that's Daniel before, Jones. That's it. Don't bring that name up. That doesn't make well, anything no. any better. No, they, <laughs> they didn't pick up his fifth year option. And right. they had to do. That's what I mean. I think you'd have to pick up his fifth year option if you were sticking with him, which, hey, the Bears don't have to make that decision until after the draft. But that said, I think, I, I almost think Justin Fields becomes a casualty of Matt Eberflus blowing his opportunity. That's how I see it, right? Where the Bears have the opportunity to reset at least the offensive staff, but maybe the whole staff from top to bottom. And then you can ask the new coach, like, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to use number one on one of these quarterbacks? Or do you want to stick with Justin Fields? And if if they'd ask that, there's just a very low probability that the quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. or that the coach is going to want to stick with a fourth-year quarterback that now has much less runway than a wide-eyed, bright-eyed, or like potentially very talented rookie. But well, like we, we would have to have confidence. Like you, like let's say it's Harbaugh, let's say it's Ben Johnson, whomever, right? They get hired. They would have to almost, I think, convince us as a fan base. Like, oh, listen, no, like 
this is who I want. That's why I got the job. I want him. Actually, you're right. Totally like to right. me, that's a, and again, I like Justin, but to me, the new coach, which I think they should go that way, has to almost convince us that that's the path that I want to go, not the other way around. Now, if Flu stays, I think Justin has to stay. Has to. Well, okay. So that gets into the whole like should stay thing, right? Where it's like to me, to me, Nick, I am so terrified of not finding a quarterback like basically ever for the rest of my life. I, I understand I'm not that old. I'm 29 years old, right? Been a Bears fan for 16 years. And to me, to stick with Matt Eberflus and almost punish the fan base, almost, by saying, well, he's going to keep the quarterback too. We're going to build around him. Is like, okay, okay, we might be the Browns if we can get our stuff together. We might bottom out at the Titans. It's more than likely that we'll find our way somewhere to the Steelers-y range of outcomes and then just stay there. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I um oh I'm I'm curious though. At the age of 13 is when you decided to be a Bears fan. Well it's when I basically started caring about football. Like oh, okay. my my mom and dad had a bunch of arguments about whether or not like I was gonna start paying any attention because it's an out of market team and she's a Dallas fan. Uh, but also when I was a kid, I was into lacrosse. Like that's, that's what I was playing down in Dallas, Texas. Everybody was out there getting hurt playing tackle football in like fifth, sixth yeah. grade. And I was like, Oh, I'm too good for that. Until I became obsessed in seventh okay. grade during the Bears Super Bowl run. All it takes is one good run and you're hooked for life. Right. Oh, so, oh, it was during the Devin Hester era where you became a Bears fan. That was it. That was my christening, so to speak. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. I, I guess I didn't know that. I mean, my, I was born into it, man. Like I, I was like, like, like right, right here, y'all mm -hmm. right here over my shoulder. We, we got the, the YouTube stream here. There's a, there's a football in the corner here. That's me at the age of, I believe four getting an autograph from Walter Payton oh, like man, meeting so cool. him. And I got a piece of candy from him that I never ate. And it's like, you know, deteriorating about like, it's not just a piece of candy. It's a piece of candy. Walter Payton gave me like, it's exactly. like, I've, I've been here my whole life, man. So like having someone, you know, at the age of, you know, in the early teens opt in, choose to be a Bears fan. I was just curious. Oh yeah. And so within that, like, I think what, what gets me, Nick, is there's all this talk about how quarterbacks, like quarterback play, quarterback efficiency, quarterback uh, impact is down, mm -hmm. right? What does scare me? So, look, you know me. I like good arguments, but I'm about to make one that's not great. But I know it's not great. It's very emotional, right? Mm -hmm. In the last 10 Super Bowls, a Hall of Fame quarterback has won nine of them. The other one was Nick Foles. This hinges on you agreeing with me that Matt Stafford is ultimately a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is a very thin definition. He may be a Hall of Very Good guy, but then all we do is we bump it down to eight. Right. I think good. like seven of those are Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, but all the same, they are a Hall of Fame quarterback. There are a lot of teams that made it to the Super Bowl, like the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, like the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, mm -hmm. like the Rams with Jared Goff. Somehow they all end up on the losing side to a Hall mm -hmm. of Fame quarterback. And then you stretch back further. Obviously, you get Peyton Manning's Denver Super Bowl in there. You get Russ's like 
Legion of Boom Super Bowls in there. If you want to go back further, you get Roethlisberger's Super Bowl. You get Rodgers' Super Bowl. You get Breeze's Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And to me, Nick, there is part of me terrified, even if we keep Fluce, that passing on the first Bears opportunity to draft a quarterback that's considered within the same territory as like Burrow Lawrence, right? In terms of prospect. And we pass on this. Now we are back to the Flyers. And we are back to hoping that we do what we have never done. Develop a quarterback the proper way. Like a toolsy guy and turn them into Jordan Love. And I'm going to disagree with you though. I'm really interested why. Because, so I, I did a little research on this. Mm-hmm. And I looked at people that took the quarterback first overall. Yes. And what happened the next year? Now, this, again, this, that, that, that varies a lot. Are, am I allowed to say that, oh, man, Nick. Oh, God. Oh, God. I just hyped myself up even more. Oh, no. The Bears situation mirrors teams taking a quarterback in between picks 8 and 10, as in yeah. Allen and Mahomes. Right. They are picking a quarterback at number one. But every time we do the what happened with the team or with the quarterback at number one thing, you deal with quarterbacks who played on terrible teams. Well, no, no, that's my point, though. So, like, so I, I did this study. I, like, looked over, you know, you, Baker and Jameis. I mean, there's a big list. The majority of the time, the majority, I mean, like, the very high majority of the time, that next year they're picking in the top 10. So you also could go down the scenario of, I want to build around so much because I want to mm-hmm. raise the floor so high right. and for, I don't know, whatever reason, like, like sure. it's also possible too. like, if I, if I gave you the Washington offers you the next, the, the number two, two more firsts that, Three seconds. I get this from two, three third. Like like you get you get the impossible offer. Yes, but you don't like Justin Fields. Do you say no to the offer? No. Like if See? I get the impossible offer from two, no. Okay. If I get three? the impossible offer from three, oh man, three? I really think about it because right. you get you get you get three. You get you get New England's entire draft for three years, and you get uh, who, who's the center they drafted in round one? Let's just say it fixes center. I know. Like, you know, like to, to, but to me, like, that's what makes it. And then, and then you look and you're like, okay, then they're probably gonna be a top 10 pick next year. And I have ammo to go up if I want to. Like, to me, there's a lot of be a top 10 pick with. though. We just raised the floor. Gardner Minshew isn't a top 10 pick. Like we, no, but no, but the, the, uh, the team you acquired that first from will be a top 10 pick is what I'm saying. So yes, but you raise the floor. You hope that they're a top 10 pick. Then what? Right. Is the hope that we're going to develop Quinn Ewers, despite the fact that we're probably going to build a team that's going to start him too quickly? Or are we no. actually going to have the patience to keep playing Fields? But we're not going to pay Fields, right? So we're just going to pick up Fields' fifth-year option, and we're going to tell him, sorry, bud, you're either going to play your way into an extension or we're going to tag you. And now you're going to continue to create division within the fan base. Not that that matters. That's not, not something you're winning. Need. Like, not Ewers doesn't need to think about that at all. And then it's not that, to, to me, Nick, Maybe I'm just honestly okay. That I think we're hitting the uh, the real crux of the issue. As much as I think there's a lot of people that have gotten flack for saying 
Like, let's draft a rookie because people push back and say, but this team is ready to win now. You're telling me to wait longer? To me, sticking with Fields is making me wait until 2027. Like, the team will get good, but they won't really get great unless Fields turns a corner that I am slowly losing faith he can. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get it. Like, okay, my theory is this, all right? There, there's, there's probabilities here, you know? Whatever, I don't care what quarterback it is, y'all. That one could totally. be Hall of Famer, could, could be, be really good, could be good. Like, whatever, like there's that scale, right? But there's also the scale, and this is the bad part of football. There's the bad things that he could be RG3 and get hurt and then could be. never be the thing. He could have, you know, again, we hate this the off the field stuff, you know, like it's sad what happened to like Henry Ruggs and like, all, you know, absolutely stuff sad. happens. Like, but there's probabilities when you fit all into one versus if I can divide out my assets to a bunch of different assets, I increase my odds of like, not like having like the one, like, Oh my gosh, like crippled the whole franchise. Cause you know, like, but I understand they could lift the whole franchise. Right. But if, but if I think if you continually build the whole team, there are squads in the NFL right now that just won the division Detroit versus having a really good team all the way around. And again, people hate Niners, you know, I mean, Philly, right. They're awesome. And, and I mean, Jalen Hurts is good. Brock Purdy's good. Jared Goff is good. Don't get me wrong, y'all. But like, I mean, you can win football games in this NFL. There's a lot of bad teams out there. There you are know there's bad teams out there. Joe Flacco's leading Cleveland into the playoffs again. Check, you could do this. Speaking of, if you'll yeah. check for me real fast, what place in the division did we finish? Because it comes down to us many. Right? Many didn't oh. beat Detroit. And so Do you, you and our schedule next year. I have this up. That is actually ready. what I want to know. Like Yeah, I was ready. Brad Biggs got this for us. Okay. We were we finished fourth. This is good. This is good. We can pick, but that is a good, good thing. thing. That is yeah, a good I, thing. But I think it's good. I'm gonna take so my have, moment to be kind of sad that we're last in the NFC North again. But yeah. anyways. So we're I mean, the bad thing is and it's weird to think this before the year, but we're playing the NFC West next year, which is bad because you got Niners, Rams, Seattle, uh, Arizona, and then you're playing the AFC South. So you've got Titans, Jaguars, Houston, and the Colts. But then the extra games you get, you get Washington, you get New England, mm-hmm. and you get Carolina. I can't wait. I mean, like, I'm like, okay. I mean, you know. Nick, we got something from the chat that I want to hit you with. We're we're coming up on time, but they they threw something. All right, so I know you're a big fan of the trade down because you can do some insane things. Where is your belief on fields? I will test it to, or I will test it using a pair of aggressive examples. So you get to keep Justin Fields. Let's say that you could trade him for a second round pick plus, right? Yeah. You can keep Justin Fields and you have to figure out the extension situation, but you get to trade down. Or you trade Justin Fields, you pay Baker Mayfield, you trade Justin Fields, you pay Kirk Cousins. Do those latter options make you feel better than the former option of sticking with Fields? Or would you rather stick with Fields than a paid veteran if you're not going to draft a rookie? How, how much are we paying him? Um, Give me a rough. A part. hefty amount starting quarterback money like you you get the well i guess i made it to free agency so i can't sign for that much money but it's a minimum of 35 million dollars 
Um, I would stay with Fields then, to, personally, because to me, I think those two are better quarterbacks right now. I mean, I don't think that's like an understatement. Um, but also you look at uh, Baker Mayfield with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, right? Take him out of that. I wonder how that's going to look. Um, I, I like I like Cousins. Don't get me wrong, but I'm also a little wary of the the coming off of the Achilles. That's oh, part the of the injury thing's a problem. If, if there was no injury with Cousins, I would go that route for sure. That makes sense. Um, I, I get and that. I, I like Baker, y'all. I like him, but he's got some injury stuff too. But if you're saying I can save that again, save that money, and sign Chris Jones, Th- this would thing. be the the theoretical veteran option is a an explicit statement of fields is not part of the organization anymore but also we do not have the quarterback of the future currently on the roster instead we are bridge building to a better tomorrow using this guy to compete right now and we'll draft somebody to develop later which might be a little long in the tooth before i have to wait for my hall of fame bears quarterback it's coming i know it is i'm gonna hold out hope i i I guess i just i just always think like i'd rather (laughs) have because again like Things happen in the playoffs. Eli Manning goes to two Super Bowls. Like, so to me, like I want to get the best team I can in there and, and, and see where it goes versus hoping that I'll have the next. Because people are like, you want you need the Patrick Mahomes. There's one Patrick Mahomes. You y'all. don't There's need one. the Patrick Mahomes. It's more that, Nick, in the world of, at the end of the day, we're fans, right? I could make the team building argument, and I don't think it's the world's. So, like, when I say the team-building argument, I mean, like, I could make the argument that, oh, well, Hall of Fame quarterback, like, yeah, it adds so much to your roster. No, 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 no. Let me be very honest with you. I watched the Packers flaunt Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for so long that I just want one. Like, I, I've seen them not win the Super Bowl more than once. Like, I, I want one. It's fun. Like, Buffalo seems like it's more fun to cheer for than Pittsburgh, right? They're both going to win pretty much the same amount of games. But Buffalo got to win and lose theirs and just ride and die with one of the more exciting quarterbacks to watch in football, whereas the Steelers watched their team lose to the New England Patriots and the Arizona Cardinals and grind out wins about against, like, God knows who else, right? And so I can't help me personally. And just, like, we have this opportunity to potentially draft that dude. I, I kind of want to. But mostly because nick after this year we're going to be playing the team building argument for the rest of our lives like uh, god forbid the bears end up with number one ever again right so then from there it'll always be a matter of well who do they take oh it'll always be a matter of well does that person fall it'll Mm -hmm. always be a matter of yeah but think about how much that defensive end could really do for you next year within this scheme we got time for all that there mm-hmm. is part of me that just wants to enjoy the moment where we get to say, hey, we got two tackles. We've got DJ Moore. We can add uh, that little bit more we need with the picks that we have afterwards. But I'm not about to try to pretend it's easy. It's more like no. it plays to what I think I want. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, I I definitely get And I'm not I'm not against that at all. Like like right now, if, if I had to, to pick one or the other, I would pick drafting rookie quarterback and trading just the field. That's where I'm leaning right but now. Not but not if they don't fire flus, which I also think is completely right. understandable because yep. the moment that you draft a rookie quarterback and stick with Matt Eberflus, flus is now going to be on the hot seat. No way around it. You yep. know what I mean? Like it's, it's the knacky you're all over again. And you're setting up again. 
I want to set up a quarterback to succeed, to succeed, whether it's fields, whether it's a rookie, whether it's whoever, but like when you do that, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Who's going to come in and be like, wow, that I know I get this rookie, but man, it's loose. And uh, it's probably iffy there. Like he's on one more. It's that extra John Fox to your, that, you know, like it just wouldn't feel good. No, it wouldn't. And theoretically, maybe it works out. I mean, that's the other thing, right? Is like Mitch Trubisky, there was a whole lot of consternation about what was going to happen after Buffalo. Does anybody else remember this? Am I Bernstein bearsing myself, Nick? But like, I remember a lot of worry that Mitch was going to go. And there were, there were crazy people that thought he was going to go out, compete Josh Allen because Josh Allen hadn't fully ascended yet in like in Buffalo. But no, people said that there were people that said that, but the much more common, uh, thought was that Mitch was going to spend a year under Josh Allen. Then he was going to go start. Then he was going to rip up the league. And then they drafted Kenny Pickett and summarily binged him after four to five games. And now Mason Rudolph has replaced him and Kenny Pickett. I don't even know if he's the QB two anymore. Like Mitch may fall off the face of the league very quickly with Justin. His story's not yet written. Like he certainly seems to me as if he's a capable starting quarterback, especially when he's healthy. But we don't know yet. And so there is part of me, Nick, that looks at this and we we as Bears fans, we go, well, this whole lame duck thing never works, right? And I go, it is part of it maybe that a really good quarterback simply imposes their will? Let me use one example and just one. It's the cheapest example I can. There are all kinds of, con- or there's also a lot of worry about Caleb Williams's attitude issues. I can't speak for the guy. I don't know him, Right. What I do know, Nick, is that a Hall of Famer named Aaron Rodgers is a massive butthole. He's a jerk, and nobody likes him. Even even the people that say they like him don't seem to like him. You could talk about the family issues. You could talk about rifts between him and the head coach. And guess what? The org buckled to him. And the moment they finally stopped, another one did. Because when you're good, the, like... (laughs) Plenty of times. Yeah, you get it, right? What wait, wait, well, in the end, winning winning solves everything, Robert. Winning if you solves have, everything. If if you have the elite defense and they run the ball and your quarterback is one of the worst in the NFL, but you win a Super Bowl, would you care? No. And also I see people say or I see people in here saying, if you're gonna move on, move on. Yet Robert agrees with you. I'm making peace with what the Bears might do. If we're not on the same page. Nick. So I, I, I've, I was looking while you were talking about Trubisky. I have an amazing stat and this is from Brendan. Uh, how do you say his last name again? Uh, Shagru. Is it Shagru? Shagru? Yeah. This is amazing. I saw this. <laughs> I have to bring it up. Mitchell Trubisky since being in the NFL has made the postseason four out of his seven years. Oh my Cause God. he's in this year with Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh. Mitch. Playoff playoff God, Buffalo. Man. Mitch is the, Mitch is the king of having the accolades like you know what i mean like mitch <laughs> mitch is, is so a pro fun. bowler mitch is the it's latest not... bears pro bowl quarterback mitch is. is the latest bears quarterback to make a super bowl mitch uh mitch turns it on in those two minutes like he's made the playoffs now for... he, will, he will throw to the right really well robert <laughs> He's so good at being in the right place at the right time. And then the Bears drafted the guy who apparently swings the entire other direction. Because I think Justin Fields, all of his stuff should look a lot better than it does. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. <laughs> like yeah, I one of, one of the, the best stats I saw from Mitch, and I 
man, I can't remember what the threshold is, but there's a minimum threshold of passing attempts. It might be like 500, but he's the only correct to not throw a pick six that has more than like 500 passing attempts or something crazy right. like that. Right. And I'm like, wow, what a record, man. I mean, he, <laughs> it's just so funny looking back, man, Nick, <laughs> it feels to me like you and I could talk for another hour and a half, but at the end of the day, we kind of got to get through Black Monday first, don't we? Well, I'm going to circle back. My my Please. last thought, my last thought is this. Um, this is a sad day. Yes. For Chicago, because I think we know that there's change that's going to be happening, whether it's a lot of change or a little change. But it's also an exciting day for Chicago, mm-hmm. because, and I think I said this in the pre-show, if if you knew last year, y'all, that trading the 101. You know, instead of going with Bryce Young, and everyone says C.J. Stroud now, which I think Bryce was head and shoulders the pick everyone had at the time. Nobody, it was if the you, Lawrence problem, right? Where nobody was brave enough to put C.J. Stroud number one, partially because nobody else was brave enough to put C.J. Stroud number one. Yep, Keep going yep. though. So, so if 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 you knew that you could trade away that pick or what Bryce Young was to give it a go another year with Justin, and we know what happened with Justin this year. But you get the 101 this year, the 109 last year, the second-round pick that turned into Tyreek Stevenson, a second-round pick in two years, and DJ Moore, we would do that all over again Mm -hmm. times a million. Like, that trade might be franchise-altering. So while it's a really sad day for Chicago, y'all, and no matter what happens at quarterback, we have a bright, bright future because Ryan Poles can play basically Madden mode with what he wants to do with the Bears, and we're going to be set up for success. I, I, mm-hmm. You see what's happening with the Green Bay. Mm-hmm. You see Detroit having success. Minnesota losing Cousins hurts some. Obviously, they had some success. I think Chicago arguably has the brightest future in the division. I agree. I mean, and granted, if they do make the change, look, Jim Harbaugh, for better or for worse, man, is a force of will. Like, I don't know who you're favoring in. It's tomorrow's game, isn't it? The uh, national championship. Oh, yeah. Yep. Tomorrow. I I think Michigan's going to win it. I mean, at the very least, I think they ought to be the favorite. Like, I think what Washington's doing is amazing, but they've got just a stellar defense. And I always feel like now, granted, I'm, I'm a big 12 guy. So I can't believe I've become somebody who says this, Nick. But when Pac-12, Big 12, like offenses bow up against sec big 10 defenses a lot of times it can be really hard for them and so if they i I didn't know the big 10 or the big 12 even had defenses (laughs) i thought it was like seven on seven you know back in the day we used to have that get said about us but you have to remember that if you dug deep enough you realize that those offenses back in the running gun big 12 were running double the plays of the average offense in the sec or the big 10 you go back further, and this is going to be before your time, Robert. You oh, got yes. you got the Nebraskas and the Colorados, you know, Colorado five downs. People remember that one like long time ago. But yeah, you're right. Like the, it, it's more to say that I know a bunch of people were like, oh, well, they give up 60 points a game. And I was like, well, in college, 30 is normal. And they're running 128 offensive plays a game each team. Yeah. Like it's insane out there. But so getting back to the bears stuff. I think the bears future is really bright. There are going to be some that are going to point to the Packers having one of the brightest futures in the division. And I think it gets harder for the Packers to retain everybody because all those first round picks are coming up for extension starting now. Now that doesn't mean they're not going to be pretty good. They're a good team that can absolutely add more talent, but 
outside of Packers magic, which they obviously have with Matt LaFleur, I think the Bears do have a legitimate shot to overtake them. I think there probably needs to be a coaching move included, but if we play the long game, there's a lot to be excited for. And hey, even if you're not the best in the NFC North, like that's part of why wildcard slots exist or spots exist. And at least we get an entertaining Bears Packers victory or like a Bears Packers rivalry. But I I look at this whole situation and like you're saying, it's not a great day. But also, Nick, does it quote something my dad has said to me ever since I started watching football 15, 16 years ago? You are never as good nor as bad as your last game. And if you look at the last two games for Chicago, gosh, could that sentence ring, or could that sentiment ring any truer, Nick? Maybe they're not 37-17 every single week, but they're not this either. And so the mm-hmm. truth is somewhere much closer to the middle. I don't think Andrew Billings suddenly sucks because he wasn't the sole reason, same with Montez Sweat, that Aaron Jones, who runs on the Bears every week, weren't able to stop Aaron Jones in or in Lambeau. It happens, right? But I do find myself hoping that this game is a catalyst for better things and better days. And so hopefully it is, because if it is, it'll have been worth it. And if it isn't, it'll just have been a 10th straight Packers loss. Well, well to, to, to get in the feelings more, think about how this would be if you didn't have the Carolina pick right now. Oh, it'd be pretty rough. Be We'd like, probably oh. still convince ourselves to be upbeat, but it'd be pretty right. rough. Right. But like, like whether you pick the Quebec or you get the hall, you, that's, that's the, that's the insurance to this whole thing. Like you feel so supported. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. cause th- that's what you always mm-hmm. have to do you, the, to, I, I, I think gr- being, having gratitude, being grateful is huge, right? Think of like what you have versus what other people don't have, yes. right? Like I think I, that always centers me a lot. So when you think of like, man, you know how many teams wish they were Chicago right now? Like you got that one-on-one with this class and you have the 109 and you got Montez sweat for the second, which people right. are like, you don't have a second. We got like, things are, are rolling. Oh yeah. They are rolling. And then another thing that I, I, I think I want to close on this. It's a joke. It's not going to make anybody happy, but it might make you laugh a little bit, Nick. Uh, and it's a great reminder of what I hope changes next year, right? So a man and his dog walk into a bar and Bears Packers is on, right? And they sit down and they start watching the game. And every time the Packers get a first down, especially when they score a touchdown, the dog jumps up, yips, hops off the chair, runs in a little circle, gets back up, keeps watching the game. Right. Packers score an early touchdown. It does just that. It's seven to nothing. Then the Bears answer back at seven to seven. And the dog growls and destroys a couple coasters and everybody gets the picture. And the barkeeper, the, the man asks the barkeeper, should I stay or should I go? And the barkeeper sees the rest of the bars watching the dog having fun. And the barkeeper's like, ah, you can stay. Ultimately, the after or every time the Packers do well. The dog celebrates every time the bears do poorly. The dog, uh, the dog destroys something and the Packers edge out a victory 36 to 35. And then the dog runs up and down the bar, does a backflip jumping off the bar and everybody claps and the barkeep goes, wow, what happens when the bears win? And the, and the uh, man gets says, Oh, I don't know. The dog's five years old. <laughs> it's miserable living in this state and that being the truth robert miserable. <laughs> miserable i mean i still hold out hope that my 16 month old son by the time he starts actually understanding football might run into an age where he never knew a bad bears team you talked about a bright future if ryan poles lays this thing out 
methodically, there's a shot that the Bears could build something really sustainable. N- next year, even. I mean, I hope so. You won, <laughs> like, you won, you won seven games. Bears you- fans always project the negative. Who is to say that Caleb Williams or Drake May can't roll into town and become the next C.J. Stroud? Robert didn't say he's going to. I'm saying, why can't it happen? Because you're hoping that you're going to have better weapons than than just Nico Collins and Tank Dell. I'm not trying to take anything away from Nico Collins or Tank Dell. You're hoping Roma Dunze, that's just what I'm expecting at this point, Roma Dunze, Cole mm-hmm. Kmet, and DJ Moore is a better, like, is a better group altogether. We'll see, right? We will see, man. What you got coming up? Uh, well, my article's done. So actually, the next article that I have already lined up is uh, at Football Guys, I have um, a video where I'm going to be, I, I think it's only one one off video, but it's a one part video of fixing the bears. They thought I would be a good person to talk about that with. So that'll be that'll be happening. You know, one thing I thought that we should do on this show, Robert, we haven't done what? Robert and I spent a lot of time on this thing called X now. It, it used to be called Twitter, y'all, okay? Um, and before that was MySpace, kidding. Um, but Robert's handle, if you want to follow and interact with him on there, he puts out a lot of stuff, at Robert K. Schmitz. Thank you. Um, and I am at underscore Nick Whalen. Uh, the guy that is at Nick Whalen hasn't tweeted, I think, in like 15 years, and he has like five tweets. So I lost out, and I had to go underscore. But Follow us on there, y'all. I mean, we like interacting with you. We like seeing, you know, the comments in here. So um, do that, and we'll, uh, we'll have some more fun fun times as we talk Bears. We do. And, you know, it's, it wasn't an easy season, Chicago faithful, but it's over. And, hey, we had a fun run up the back here, which I think there are worse things in the world. So now we get to dig into Chicago's favorite time, the off season. And so – Keep an eye out for all kinds of draft stuff that we're going to work out. But before we do, I imagine, Nick, we're going to have a post-mortem episode out on Wednesday or out on Thursday that we'll record Wednesday before we <clears throat> try to figure out what our off-season rhythm is going to be. I just yeah. I doubt that we're going to have a podcast a week in a Bears ecosystem that starts changing less and less. But I guess we'll just never know. You, right? you, you know, I, I know our schedule is going to dictate some of it. But uh, hey, y'all, comment. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know. Um, you know, if you, if you want two of them a week, if, if there's certain days you think like, Hey man, coming in on a Monday would be great to hear you guys or whatever. Like give us some feedback. We'll take it. We will absolutely take it. And until next time, folks bear down and thanks so much for bearing with us. <laughs>